Hey, my name is Phil and this is my wife Meredith and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Come on, you can high five your neighbor and grab a seat if you want to. Uh, it's funny, I was, I was doing some research for a whole other sermon, uh, and I was studying the woman with the issue of blood. We're not going to really preach about her today, but uh, something about worship got me thinking about her. And uh, as I was studying for the, with the woman with the issue of blood, I began to do some research on the hemorrhaging issue that she had. And uh, there are theologians and researchers that say that in today's society, with our modern medicine, she actually would have been able to live a long time. But uh, that issue in the first century, without any modern medicine and without uh, advanced medical practice, the diagnosis for her would have actually been 18 to 24 months. Oh, I'm preaching. Because that means that a woman who got a diagnosis that should have killed her in a year and a half or two, somehow made it into year three. Somehow made it into year four. Somehow, confounded doctors and made it into year five and six and seven, eight, nine, and made it a decade with a disease that should have took her out in two years. And this woman, oh, not just made it a decade, she made it 11 years, she made it 12 years. You know, sometimes we withhold worship because we're mad that God hasn't healed us yet. But you know, he's not just the God that heals, he's the God that sustains you to the moment that Jesus can heal you. Oh, sometimes we can be so entitled in church that we put up our picket sign and we begin to say, I can't believe God hasn't healed me yet. But can I tell you something? The invisible sustaining hand of God has been on your life. I wonder if there's somebody, you're waiting for a miracle, you're waiting for a breakthrough, but you're going to praise God on the way. Come on, you're already confounding doctors. They gave you a six-month diagnosis. They said you could get your affairs in order and you're still standing you're still here come on let everything that has breath praise God even if my blessing is on the way the woman with the issue of blood I, I was I was standing there and in, in, in studying the passage and I've always known her as the suffering woman she suffered with this issue for 12 years the Holy Spirit corrected me and said she's not the suffering woman she's a surviving woman Ooh that she survived for 12 years with something that should have killed her in two. Survived. I may not be healed yet, but baby, I'm still here. Oh, come on, you didn't suffer through the divorce. You survived that divorce. Oh, come on, you didn't suffer through the miscarriage. You survived the miscarriage. Come on, you didn't suffer through cancer. You survived the cancer. I wonder if I'm talking to any survivors today. I survived to see another Sunday. I survived to see another year. Oh, come on, there are people who went through what I went through and they didn't make it. But baby, come on, I'm built different. I'm a survivor. And there's purpose and there's destiny all my life. Come on. Uh, that ain't got nothing to do with what I'm preaching about. I just feel good to be in church today. Uh, my name is Manny Arango. I'm from Dallas, Texas, and uh, I get the great joy of uh, preaching today, and uh, I'm super, super excited. But uh, before we get into the Word, there's some people we got to honor, okay? Uh, I'm a guest in the house, and uh, 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 Bishop Michael and Kathy Pitts are in the room, and uh, I love you so much. I've uh, admired your ministry from afar for a long, long time, and you probably do not know this, but over a decade ago, uh, you were preaching at Manpower, and um, it just so happens that a young 22, 23-year-old African-American man from Boston, Massachusetts was in the room as you were preaching at Manpower, and what you did not know is that my dad served an 18-year prison sentence, took me to a crack house for the first time when I was five, and so I did not know what it was to be a man, and your message that night has marked my life. And so I think that if there's a general in the building, we should honor him. So I love you, I love you both. And I'm excited about the time that we got to spend uh, in the green room, really excited for lunch. And uh, I love you guys a lot. And, uh, and how many people love Pastor Phil and Meredith? Come on, let's make a big deal for them. 
man, Australian accents just get me. Like, they're just awesome. Like, someone could be totally wrong. If you got an Australian accent, I'm in. You know, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> the accent got me, all right? I'm in, I'm in. Uh, and so I got to hang out with your pastors a couple of weeks ago, and man, we talked like we had been friends for a very, very long time. And so uh, hopefully uh, you, this won't be the last time you see me. I hope that you're stuck with me at this point. So I really, really love uh, Pastor Phil and Meredith a whole lot. And, um, and I think that what they're building here is absolutely amazing. And we need more models of generational ministry uh, for, for transition to actually occur in the body of Christ because there's a lot of churches that die that shouldn't die but should be transitioning on to the next uh, season of leadership. And so we honor you for transitioning, and we honor uh, Pastor Phil and Meredith for, hand, for getting the baton and running their leg of this race. And so it is an honor to be here. Um, I knew that this uh, Sunday was on my calendar, and I was giddy. I was really, really excited because the world knows about this church. Uh, you've got a worldwide reputation. And so I just get to be with y'all for a week, and uh, uh, I'm so excited. Do you have a Bible today? Do you have a Bible? Come on. If you got a Bible, I want you to go to the book of Matthew. If you got a Bible, I want you to go to the book of Matthew. Uh, I'm not going to preach long uh, 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 unless it gets good. <laughs> Ain't it crazy how the bad sermons are always too long, you know? Uh, so I always say, I'm not going to preach long until it gets good. If it gets good, then we don't know what may happen. Uh, and uh, I love preaching places that only have one service because one service means there's not another one that needs to get into the room. So you stuck with me, okay? Come on, let's go. Let's go to Matthew. Let's go to Matthew. Let's go to Matthew. I've got a thought that I want to deposit into your spirit today. Uh, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14, and if we've got it on the screens, we can go ahead and put it on the screens. We're going to read together, because if there's a verse that I don't say, if there's a word that I don't say, we're going to do a little fill in the blank, okay? If there's a word that I don't say, then that means you're going to uh, say the word that I don't say. I'm reading out of the New International Version of the Bible, okay? I, I call it the NIV, the NIV, uh, the New International Version version of the Bible. Come on. Uh, it says this, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the, come on everybody, into the, and go on ahead of him to the other, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to what? Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against him. Okay, that's good context. Now let's get into the content of what we're going to be preaching about. Uh, give, me, give me the next verse. There we go. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Just, just casually walking on the lake, as you do when you're Jesus, you know. <laughs> just walking on water, no big deal, okay. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were? Terrified. They were what? They were what? Terrified. Now, I've been raised in church for a long time, and sometimes if you're in church for, 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 for a long time, you can get trained and programmed that every time you feel fear, you need to cast it out. That every time you feel fear, it may be a spirit of fear, and come on, the spirit of fear comes from the devil. And so I know a lot of people who every time they feel fear, they're triggered to cast out a spirit of fear. But can I tell you something? That the disciples are actually encountering Jesus, and they're terrified, which lets me know that every time I'm scared, it doesn't mean the devil's involved. Sometimes I'm scared because God is pulling me to another dimension of faith. Sometimes I'm scared because God is on the move. Sometimes Sometimes I'm scared because God's doing a new thing. Somebody say new thing. Sometimes I'm scared because God is doing something outside of the conventional box that I've relegated him to. Sometimes I'm scared because God is doing something that makes me uncomfortable. And I've got to have enough discernment to know the difference between a spirit of fear that comes from the enemy and my flesh getting out of control when God is actually trying to get me to do something that I'm uncomfortable doing. Sometimes you can be on the precipice of a miracle and be scared out of your mind because faith is not just a feeling, it's a decision of my will. And I've got to begin to dictate. It don't matter how I feel. I've made a decision that I'm going to live by 
faith. We just reading the Bible. We just reading the Bible. Come on, come on. Let's go back. It's a ghost, they said. That's Judas. <laughs> Judas and Thomas talking about it's a ghost. Okay, come on. And cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take what? Courage. Take what? Courage. I can't complain about the people who failed to encourage me. I can't be spiteful about the people who discouraged me. My courage is my responsibility. And come on, I hope you came to church today to take courage. Come on, take courage. You're going to take some courage today. I'm not waiting on anybody to encourage me. And I'm not going to let the people who discourage me talk me out of what God has already promised me. Oh, come on. I'm going to take courage. I didn't just come here out of religiosity or routine. I came here because I'm going to take my courage today. We just reading the Bible. Come on, we just reading the Bible. It is I. Don't be afraid. Uh, come on, give me the next slide. Lord... If it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, how do you see wind? That's a whole nother sermon. I ain't even got time for that. Because when you're walking by faith, you start seeing things, okay? Come on, come on, come on. Okay, that's a whole nother message. Come on. Uh, he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why do you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died. Those who were, those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. God, we ask that you would add your blessing. Come on, to the reading of your word today. And God, we ask that the word of God would go forward with power and precision. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, amen, 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 amen. I, I, I love this passage of scripture. I love this passage of scripture uh, because uh, I don't know if you've ever registered for one of these websites where they make you come up with security questions. Anybody, anybody, uh, is it just me? Where they make you, they, and, 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 and can I be honest? I don't know the answers to the security questions when I'm making the answers to the security questions. What's your grandmama's maiden name on your mama's side? I don't, I don't know. And I travel a lot, okay? I'm on sometimes two to three flights a week. I travel a lot. And the worst thing is for, I put in the right username, the right password, but because I'm in Toledo, Ohio today, my computer won't act like it don't know it's me. So what does it do? It pops up with the security question. And I do what any reasonable man would do, text my wife. <laughs> What's my security question? What's the answer to the security question? And my wife typically says, well, just pretend you're you. What answer would you have given? And I go, I am me, and I still don't know what answer I would have given. See, all Peter is trying to do is ascertain the identity of Jesus. Lord, if it's any security question would have done. But this question begs us to answer, ask some deeper questions because can I give you some examples of some security questions that would have done just fine? Peter, in the boat, looking at Jesus, could have said, Jesus, that you? Peter, Jesus would have said, yeah, it's me. What did we eat for breakfast two days ago? Perfectly legitimate security question. But Peter's question tells us a lot about Peter. Peter understands Jesus so well that he knows if that's actually Jesus, then Jesus is not going to be content to allow me to spectate the miraculous. That if that's actually him, then Jesus is going to force me to participate in the miraculous. Jesus is this. Peter is asking the question, Lord, if it's you, tell what? Me. Come on, come on, come on. Because you got your own security questions. Don't act like you ain't got security questions for Jesus. Jesus, is that you? Yeah, it's me. If it's you, bless me. 
Yeah, that's me. If it's you, have them break up with me because I don't have enough guts to break up with them. Jesus! Is that you? Yeah, that was me in the giving talk. Well, if that cooked me up with a job. See, see, see? Peter's question doesn't demand that Jesus jump through hoops. Peter says, if it's you, I tell me to come to you on the water. If it's you, you're not going to let me stay in dysfunction. If it's you, you're not going to let me stay in my comfort zone. If it's you, then I got to prove I'm a disciple, not make you prove that you're God. If it's you, then that means I've got to move. If it's you, then that means the pressure is on me. If it's you, then that means I've got to take a step. If it's you, then that means you are going to woo me and call me out of all of my comfort see 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 your security question says a lot about your level of faith see a lot of us we're at the level of faith of God if it's you prove it and God says hey in this equation the question is not whether or not you can trust me the question is whether or not I can trust you I'm, I'm not on your witness stand. I'm not here to prove what I can do. I'm here to see if there's faith in the earth. So Peter says, I've known this Jesus long enough to know that if it's actually him, then he's going to demand something of me. That he's going to require something of me that may make me very uncomfortable. Now get this, can we go a little deeper? That was like 18 of y'all, come on. We're in the age of consent, so come on, come on. Can we go a little deeper? Can we go a little deeper? (laughs) Jesus calls Peter to get out of a boat that is working perfectly fine. I I need to preach this because for some of y'all, some of us, I'll make it inclusive. The boat got a break for you to ever get out of it. The boat got a sink. See, 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 you, you know the Holy Ghost told you, quit your job, start a business. So then you go talk to someone and you say, I'm going to quit my job. And they say, why would you leave that job? That's perfectly fine. The issue, God does not always call you to get out of a boat just because the boat is broken. He calls you to get out of a boat because he knows that you've got the potential to walk on water. And little-minded people who will always be stuck in the boat ask you questions like, well, what you gonna, how you going to make money? Don't you need that job? If I had your job, I'd be content. But baby, if you had my life you would not be content because you'd have my frustration you have my level of faith and there's something on the inside of me that is not happy being in this boat this boat was built for you this boat was not built for me and I don't need God to break the boat in order for me to get out of it I will get out of a boat that's perfectly fine. I will get out of a boat that other people would be happy with. I will get out of a boat and somebody may buy the boat that I get out of because it may fit you, but it don't fit me. Jesus says, come. He doesn't say, come, Peter. Which means it was an open invitation. Matthew could have got out the boat. Judas could have got out the boat. Thaddeus could have got out of the boat. We don't talk about him a lot. Bartholomew could have got out of the boat. See, a person who has experience walking on water, the moment you say you're going to get out the boat, they're going to say, tell me about your dream. Somebody who's only ever been in a boat You'd start talking to them about walking on water and they start telling you about how it's never going to work and they start telling you about how the boat is so awesome and they start talking to you about your 401k and they're going to start talking to you about your retirement plan and look at all the stuff you lose. See, you can't take your cues from people who have never walked on water if you're trying to walk on water. If you're trying to walk on water, then you are wasting your time having a conversation with a bunch of people who are stuck in a boat that you are actually trying to get out of. 
the only person that you should spend time talking to is Jesus because in this whole scenario, he's the only person who has experience walking on the water. Jesus is the only person who can distinctly see the insufficiencies of the boat. Jesus is the only person who can see that his mode of transportation is better than the boat. Jesus is the only person who can accurately see that at this point in time, Peter has the ability to do something that he's never done before, and if he, if, if he stays in the boat, then he'll always have what he's always had. But maybe there's a holy discontentment in you that other people would be totally fine to stay in the boat, and God has called you out of it. Now, here we go. Can we go deeper? Peter's in the boat with the rest of the gang. They see Jesus. Jesus! Is that you? Peter gets the right security question. If it's you, tell me to come on out, and I'll come. I'll obey. I'll jump through some hoops. I'll do something uncomfortable. Peter then gets out of the boat, leaves the 11 disciples behind, and starts walking on water. This is crazy. I don't know if you've ever tried to walk on water. This is quite impressive. It's one thing for Jesus to walk on water. Whole other thing for Peter to walk on water. Peter is walking on water, begins to be overwhelmed with doubt, discouragement, and fear, and sinks. Jesus reaches out, grabs Peter. Now, there's a couple of things we need to see. First thing we need to see is God will not let you drown. But he certainly will let you sink. I want to talk to somebody today who when you got out the boat, you got out the boat believing. God better not let nothing happen to me. Now, if I'm going to get up out this boat, everything better go smooth. God, you got one job. You got one job is to make the ground solid beneath my feet, okay? And I don't know if anybody's ever gotten an attitude that you obeyed, had faith, and God still let you sing. There have been some moments in my life where I was like, now, 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 God. You had one job. And see, a lot of us, we want guarantees. God, if I get up out this boat, I need, you to, I need you to guarantee me that this is gonna work. And God says, the only guarantee you have is this, that I won't let you drown. But you gonna get wet. You may sink. Whatever your worst case scenario is, just go ahead and plan for that to happen. Next, here's the next thing I want to show you, is that Jesus' words, see, we, we would have been fighting on the water. We would have been fighting. Because Jesus then says, you of little faith. Little faith! I just walked! On water! Little faith! Little faith! This is what Jesus calls little faith? Come on, can I teach? Can I teach? Can I teach? We quantify the miraculous in a way that is different than how God quantifies the miraculous. God quantifies the miraculous similarly to how God quantifies sin. To humans, there's levels to sin. Big sin, small sin, sin I got grace for, sin I don't got grace for. God, because he's perfectly holy based on his character, he doesn't see any sin as different. Because all sin is the absolute opposite of who he is. So since he's perfectly holy, H-O-L-Y, and holy other than you, W-H-O-L-L-Y, everything that is sinful, whether it's a thought, whether it's an action, is completely sinful and an abomination and detestable to God. Thank God for the cross. He's got grace for it. But God don't rank sin. Similarly, it, because God is immutable, which means he cannot change, 
And because he is omnipotent, it means his power always has to stay at the exact same level. It takes the exact same amount of power for God to heal a paper cut as it takes for him to heal cancer. Because he is omnipotent and he is immutable, he has to remain omnipotent. So if he has to spend power, uh-oh, then God would have to be recharged, which means he's not God. So God does not rank the miraculous the same way we rank the miraculous. We, in our human brain, think walking on water. Ooh, that's a big miracle. I just walked on water. And you are impressed with yourself. Meanwhile, Jesus is looking at you saying, you have little faith. The reason that Jesus can say that this is a little faith is because he needs you to have his perspective on the miraculous and not your human perspective on the miraculous because the way God ranks faith is not just in how impressive the action was but in how long you were able to sustain faith can I tell you something that if you can sustain faith in one decade in the next decade in the next decade you actually have more faith than the person who has lightning in a pan for a moment anybody can have a lot of faith in an anointed atmosphere it takes a whole another level of faith to walk into your Tuesday with faith into your Wednesday with faith into one year with faith into the next year with faith and to put one foot in front of the other and say come hell or high water I'm gonna have faith I'm not letting go of my faith I wonder is there anybody with resilient faith in the room give God a shout of praise Hey! I don't have faith because it's trendy. I don't have faith because I've heard a good sermon. I've got the kind of faith that can take a punch. I've got the kind of faith that can take some blows. I've got the kind of faith that can get through a pandemic. I've got the kind of faith that can make it through COVID. I've got the kind of faith that can get through a divorce. I've got the kind of faith that can get through suffering. I've got the kind of faith that can last and stand the test of time. I've got good faith. I've got great faith. I'm built different. I've got faith. I don't got faith because my friend is in church next to me. Come on. I don't got faith because I'm on a spiritual high. I've got faith in the valley. I've got faith in the hospital room. I've got faith through disappointment. I've got faith through discouragement. I've got faith in every season. I've got faith when I feel like it. I've got faith when I don't feel like it. I've got faith. I've got the kind of faith that will wrestle an angel all night long and demand a blessing because I've got the kind of faith that ain't giving up no time soon. Jesus can say, oh, Peter, you have little faith. And if this was me and Jesus, you know, I would have had a clap back. Little faith. And you just see me walk on water and Jesus would have had a comeback for me. I didn't see you do nothing. I saw me make the water beneath you solid. I saw me make sure that you didn't sink. I saw me do a whole lot. All I saw you do is take another step. All I saw you do is trust in me. You ain't the miracle worker, I'm the miracle worker. We would have had a whole conversation. Can I teach a little bit? Can I teach a little bit? Can I teach? The Greek word for faith, it's the word pistis. Pistis. And in Greek, it actually has two meanings. Now, we see this in English, but it breaks down a little bit, okay? Because if I said to somebody, uh, hey, you're someone who's full of joy, you know that means that that person is what? Joyful. Full of joy and joyful mean the same thing in English. If I said an opposite thing, like, man, you're kind of spiteful. We all mean, we all know that spiteful means what? Full of but faithful and full of faith don't mean the same thing in English. So we have cognitive dissonance because we've been teaching people that you can be full of faith, but not faithful. Okay. Ooh. 
But in Greek, the word pistis, it can have two meanings. The first is belief. The second is loyalty. Which means to have belief without loyalty is to only have one half of faith. That Jesus can say to Peter, you have little faith because you have a lot of belief. But it don't last a long time. You've got a lot of belief, but it's because the environment was right. You got a lot of belief, but it's because we sang the right song today. You got a lot of belief because it's because you heard the right word this week. You got a lot of belief, but I'm looking for you to also have some loyalty, some fidelity, and some faithfulness. That I don't just want you to be full of faith, but I also want you to be faithful. Now, all of that ain't got nothing to do with the real thing I want to preach about. I hope it blessed you. Here's a question I flew all the way from Dallas to ask you. Peter is in the boat. They see Jesus. They're confused about whether or not it's a ghost or Jesus. They ensue with a conversation because faith always has to start with a conversation. I have to become fluent in the language of faith before I can walk by faith. Faith begins when you decree a thing, Bishop. I watched your sermon. Anyway. There's a conversation that precedes the action. Peter then walks on water. We know that he gets to Jesus because Jesus is there to grab him when he sinks. Here's the question I flew here to ask. How do they get back to the boat? I've heard a lot of sermons on the first time Peter walked on the water. I came to preach to you about the second time Peter walked on the water. I came to talk to you today about the walk back. That's the title of my sermon. The walk back, the walk back, the walk back. Because it's easy to get out of the boat when nothing wrong has ever happened. When you get out of the boat, that's called blind optimism. It's easy to get out of the boat. You want to know what's hard? to get up out of the water and for Jesus to say I ain't giving you a piggyback ride back to that boat I'm not carrying you back to that boat I'm not gonna tell them to bring the boat over here you are going to walk back to that Boat. And I want to know who I'm preaching to today that you used to have a lot of faith. You had a moment of failure and you've been stuck on the sideline with your faith in cruise control ever since. But the Holy Ghost is whispering to you today saying there's more faith left in your tank. That your ladder is going to be greater than your former and that your best days are ahead of you and not behind you. And that you are going to walk back to the boat that the God that got you here is the God that's gonna get you there you thought you booked a one-way trip but God has placed round-trip faith on the inside of you and we're gonna activate it today because you are gonna get back to the boat I wonder if I'm preaching to anybody who's saying I gotta get my faith back because I got a boat to get back to. I've got a round trip journey and this is my victory lap. Oh, come on. This ain't my walk of shame back to the boat. This is my victory lap back to the boat. I'm gonna do it again. I believe before and it's time for me to believe again. I risked before, it's time for me to risk again. Oh, come on, I trusted God before, it's time for me to trust God again. Why you keep replaying all your faith greatest hits? You've been telling everybody 
about your faith story that was 15 years ago what have you done for me lately get this because this is why we can't teach faith without grace you're saved by grace through faith there are some of us we walked by faith we got to Jesus and then we messed up and you need grace for yourself so that you can muster up the faith again to obey God again see this moment is real there's a lot of us who you still got faith in God you just don't got faith in yourself no more uh oh but if God has called you see this is why in, in, in John chapter 5 God can tell a paralyzed man get up because God Jesus never saw him as paralyzed in the first place it's ridiculous to command a paralyzed man to get up unless you know something about the paralyzed man that the paralyzed man don't know about himself so it don't make no sense to believe in God, but don't believe in what God has said about you. And for a lot of you, there's a mistake that has begun to define you. And I came with a clear instruction to command you to walk again, believe again, risk again, make yourself vulnerable again. God called you to be an entrepreneur. You had a failed business. Guess what? There's another business in you. God called you to be married. The marriage failed. Okay, maybe there's another marriage in you. You had a kid. You lost a kid. Guess what? There's another kid in you. You planted a church. The church didn't work. There's another church in you. you you gotta walk back to the boat. See, the second round is harder. Because you know what could happen. Getting out the boat ain't that hard. Because you're thinking, ain't no way God gonna let nothing bad happen. On this side, you know, God will definitely let bad things happen. See, see, see? Can we go deeper? The first time, Peter walked to Jesus. This time, Peter has to walk with Jesus. Walking to Jesus is filled with some ego. Look at me. I can do it. This is why it's hard for spiritual fathers and spiritual sons to sometimes develop a relationship that is actually vulnerable and transparent because you're trying to impress your dad. Can, I can walk, I can walk, see, 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 look at me. And see, there's a difference between walking to Jesus and Jesus saying, no, 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 no. I'm not here to be impressed with you. I'm here to lead the way. Come on, put one step, one foot in front of the other. Come on, one more foot. Oh, come on. Don't, and get this, it's hard to walk in front of people who told you not to get out the boat in the first place. Jesus is like, all right, come on, Peter, let's get back to that boat. And Peter's like, in front of Matthew? Matthew told me before I got out the boat. Yeah, you do it first. We'll follow you. <laughs> Thomas told me. That's stupid. <laughs> Jesus has to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You never got out the boat to prove them wrong. Oh, my God. So now I have to fix your motive. Because if you got out the boat to prove them wrong, 
You'll never walk back to the boat because your motive was off in the first place. I need you to focus on me. Don't focus on anybody in that boat. Don't focus on their jokes. Don't focus on their snickering. Don't focus on their sneers. Don't focus on the words they told you before you got out the boat. You're walking with me. And me and you are going to walk back to this boat. And I love how the Bible just leaves a whole gap. It just casually says... They climb back into the boat. It's funny, me and my wife, we walked through almost six years of infertility. I wanted to be a dad more than I wanted anything else. Prayed, fasted, believed, sowed, laid hands, did it all. Year after year, no kid, no kid, no kid. Doctor said it was gonna be impossible for us to get pregnant. Uh, to give you some science, I was the one that got diagnosed with infertility because in infertility, it's a 50-50 chance that it's the man or the woman, which that math makes sense. <laughs> Culturally, there's a stigma though, we assume that it's always the woman. I got diagnosed as an infertile male and to build your faith, I'm gonna give you all the facts because normal, a normal sperm count, if you don't know what sperm is, Google it after church. <laughs> A normal sperm counts 40 million. A low sperm counts 20 million. I had 12, not million. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 disciples. <laughs> Doctor said, you're, you're, you, you don't even have a low sperm count. You have none, this is none. 12 in light of 40 million is nothing. You need a sperm donor, you and your wife will never get pregnant. It'll never happen. I went to a worship service, because this is why worship is so important. I'm in a worship service, and my count miraculously went from 12 to half a million. Put us in range to do a procedure called IVF, in vitro fertilization. We empty our savings account, $20,000 to do IVF, in faith. Oh, I had full of full faith, and I thought, there's no way God would ever let nothing bad happen because it's easy to get out the boat. We miraculously get pregnant, hold your applause, and I had the best day and the worst day of my life almost next to each other. Miraculously get pregnant, I'm rejoicing. I was so happy I ran outside and told my male lady that we was pregnant. Couldn't contain my joy. Five years of believing God for children. I finally pregnant, man. I felt like I could conquer the world. We go in at the 12-week mark for one of our first ultrasounds to find out that the heartbeat is gone. That the baby has deceased. And that my wife now has to have a procedure to remove the fetus tissue from her uterus. And I began to taste the sweetness of the miracle turn bitter in my mouth. I know how it feels to walk by faith. Get to the point of breakthrough and for it to feel like a miracle got ripped out of your hands. And we were in the middle of COVID. Just at the house, alone. Two depressed people looking at each other. Binge watching TV and eating, eating Swedish fish and Cheez-Its. <laughs> and ordering Uber Eats. My wife keeps having recurring dreams every night that she's dropped the baby down the stairs. Dealing with subconscious guilt of killing a child. I mean, I know what this feels like. And then I remember the day, a couple months had went by, my wife, who's more saved than me, <laughs> says, I want to try again. I said, no way. And then I said, do you have a 20, another $20,000 hidden away somewhere that I don't know about? Because the last time I checked, we emptied our whole savings account to do IVF the first time. And my wife said this, I said, I said, now I'm a heathen, don't judge me. I said, why would God even allow us to get pregnant? If, if God can't sustain it, why would he start it? 
My wife said this, I'm grateful for the 12 weeks I even got to be pregnant. I've never even been this pregnant. And if God can bring us this far, God has brought us too far to only bring us this far. My wife said, we need to do it again. I said, I'm not going to make myself vulnerable to that kind of pain again. My wife said, we need to do IVF again. I said, okay, if God provides the money, then sure, I may think about maybe trying it again. A $4,000 check came out of nowhere. Another $2,000 check came out of nowhere from people I've never met in my life. Another $1,500 check came out of nowhere. Before I knew it, I had another $20,000 to do IVF again, and I think there's a picture of my son. Did we send a picture of my son? That is my little boy. I got back to the boat. I want to let you know today that there's something on the other side of believing again. There's something on the other side of getting your faith back and getting back to the boat. I wonder, is there anybody today who you're deciding, I'm getting back to the boat. I got too much that I'm believing God for. I got to believe again. I've got to trust again. I understand you're hurt. I've been there. Soaking wet, embarrassed, pride broken. We publicly told everybody about our infertility journey, told everybody we was going to get pregnant, announced to our parents, and then had a report. I sank. And now I'm putting the broken piece of my life back together. And there's some of us, you haven't left Jesus, but you've left faith. You come to church every week. You love Jesus too much to leave Jesus, but you will not take a risk again. You have put walls up. You don't trust anymore. You won't risk anymore. And trauma has gotten you sidelined in your faith. You've placed your faith on cruise control. And you say, I'll be faithful, but I won't be full of faith. And today, I want to challenge you. Can you believe again? Can you believe again? I know you and your husband been, been through a lot. Can you believe in him again? Can you believe in her again? Can you heal? Or are you just going to be stuck here for the rest of your life? There's more faith left in your tank. 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 There are miracles yet to happen in your life. God's not done with you. God's not through with you. There's years, come on, there's years of anointing left on your life. At some point, you're going to have to realize, i got to get back to the boat. What are you getting back to? 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 We believe, come on, right now, for the miraculous power of God over your life. That disappointment that has been taking you years to get over, come on, we declare it's, it's healed right now in the name of Jesus. Healed, 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 healed. So that you can walk again, believe again. If I'm, if I'm preaching to you, let me know. Wave at me. If you're saying, you know what, Pastor Manny? I used to have a lot of faith. I used to have a lot of faith. Man, you couldn't tell me God couldn't do it. I used to have strong faith. And then life happened. Disappointment happened. I understand. I'm with you. But today is your day. Today is your day to follow Jesus into the rest of your life, into breakthrough. If that's you, I want to know who I'm praying for. God, I ask that my brothers and sisters at Cornerstone Church would experience an outpour. God, I ask 
that the anointing that has already rested on this church that Lord God there will be a double portion God I thank you for the next season of this amazing church God we ask that your that you would do even greater things come on and fill in Meredith's leadership God we thank you right now for a new season God we thank you that you're doing new things God we thank you that there's still an open window of heaven over Toledo Ohio God we thank you that if you're doing something in the church that we're connected to then that means you're doing something in my life so God we thank you right now for miracles signs wonders God we thank you for renewed authority God we thank you that the devil is a liar and everything that he said is cast down and uprooted in your presence God we thank you we thank you we're getting back to the boat come on we thank you that you're gonna give us the jumper cables we need today so that we can renew our focus renew our strength God's not done with you God's not done with you and if you believe that come on say amen come on if you believe that say amen God's not done 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 you counted yourself out God didn't count you out Peter's the only one who has the testimony. Yeah, I sank, but I walked. There is no walking without sinking. That little boy who I love, he turns one years old next week. One years old. One years old. You can't tell me God can't move mountains. You can't tell me that God is not a God of the miraculous. You can't tell me what God can't do. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. If he can do it for your cousin, he can do it for you. If he can do it for Abel, he can do it for Cain. God is not a respecter of persons. And as I watched my son, he started walking about two weeks ago. At this point, guess what? Walking and falling are synonymous with each other. I know you're upset that you fell. Can I tell you something? As long as you're walking, you're going to be falling. But can you do this for me? Can you fall forward? Can you fall forward? And can you keep falling forward till you get back to the boat? God, we pray a prayer of blessing over your family, over your church, over your people. God, we ask that today wouldn't just be lightning in a pan or flash in a pan, lightning in a bottle. God, we ask that you would give us pistis that we would be people that are full of faith and faithful faithful and full of faith whichever one we lack God make up the difference we love you come on and we commit this week to you in the name of Jesus we pray that the seed of your word produce 30 60 and 100 fold harvest in Jesus name amen amen